Climatic Changes in the Southern Hemisphere by C. A. M. Tabor. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Climatic Changes in the Southern Hemisphere by C. A. M. Tabor. From the Scientific American Supplement, September 12th. 1891. Having had occasion to cruise a considerable time over the southern ocean, I have had my attention directed to its prevailing winds and currents, and the way in which they affect its temperature, and also to the ice-worn appearance of its isolated lands. It is now generally conceded that the lands situated in the high latitudes of the southern hemisphere have in the remote past been covered with ice sheets, similar to the lands which lie within the Antarctic Circle. The shores of southern Chile, from latitude 40 degrees to Cape Horn, show convincing evidence of having been overrun by heavy glaciers, which scored out the numerous deep channels that separate the Patagonian coast from its islands. The Falkland Islands and South Georgia abound with deep friths. New Zealand and Kerguelen Land also exhibit the same evidence of having been ice-laden regions, and it is said that the southern lands of Africa and Australia show that ice accumulated at one time to a considerable extent on their shores. At this date we find the southern ice sheets mostly confined to regions within the Antarctic Circle. Still, the lands of Chile, South Georgia, and New Zealand possess glaciers reaching the lowlands, which are probably growing in bulk, for it appears that the Antarctic cold is slowly on the increase, and the reasons for its increase are the same as the causes which brought about the frigid period which overran with ice all lands situated in the high southern latitudes why there should be a slow increase of cold on this portion of the globe is because of the independent circulation of the waters of the southern ocean the strong westerly winds of the southern latitudes are constantly blowing the surface waters of the sea from west to east around the globe this causes an effectual barrier which the warm tropical currents cannot penetrate to any great extent for instance, the tropical waters of the high ocean levels, which lie abreast Brazil in the Atlantic and the east coast of Africa in the Indian Ocean, are not attracted far into the southern sea, because the surface waters of the latter sea are blown by the westerly winds from west to east around the globe. Consequently, the tropical waters moving southward are turned away by the prevailing winds and currents from entering the southern ocean. Thus, the ice is accumulating on its lands, and the temperature of its waters slowly falling through their contact with the increasing ice, and such conditions will continue until the lands of the high southern latitudes are again covered with glaciers, and the southern ice period perfected. But while this gathering of ice is being brought about, the Antarctic continent, now nearly covered with an ice sheet, will, through the extension of glaciers out into its shallow waters, cover a larger area than now, for where the waters are shoal, the glowing glaciers, resting on a firm bottom, 
will advance into the sea, and this advancement will continue wherever the shallow waters extend. Especially will this be the case where the snowfall is great. Under such conditions it appears that the only extensive body of shallow water extending from the ice-clad southern continent is the shoal channel which separates the South Shetlands from Cape Horn, which is a region of great snowfall. Therefore, should the Antarctic ice gain sufficient thickness to rest on the bottom of this shallow sea, it would move into the Cape Horn channel and eventually close it. The ice growth would not be entirely from the southern continent, but also from lands in the region of Cape Horn. Thus, the Antarctic continent and South America would be connected by an isthmus of ice, and consequently the independent circulation of the southern ocean arrested. Hence it will be seen that the westerly winds, instead of blowing the surface waters of the southern ocean constantly around the globe, as they are known to do today, would instead blow the surface waters away from the easterly side of the ice-formed isthmus, which would cause a low sea level along its Atlantic side, and this low sea level would attract the tropical waters from their high level against Brazil well into the southern seas, and so wash the Antarctic continent to the eastward of the South Shetlands. The tropical waters thus attracted southward would be cooler than the tropical waters of today, owing to the great extension of cold in the southern latitudes. Still, they would begin the slow process of raising the temperature of the southern ocean, and would in time melt the ice in all southern lands. Not only the Brazil currents would penetrate the southern seas, as we have shown, but also the waters from the high level of the tropical Indian Ocean, which now pass down the Mozambique Channel, would reach a much larger latitude than now. The ice-made isthmus uniting South America to the Antarctic continent would on account of its location be the last body of ice to melt from the southern hemisphere, it being situated to windward of the tropical currents, and also in a region where the fall of snow is great. Yet it would eventually melt away, and the independent circulation of the southern ocean again is established. But it would require a long time for ice sheets to again form on southern lands, because of the lack of icebergs to cool the southern waters. Still, their temperature would gradually lower with the exclusion of the tropical waters, and consequently ice would slowly gather on the Antarctic lands. The above theory thus briefly presented to account for the climatic changes of the high southern latitudes is in full accord with the simple workings of nature as carried on today, and it is probable that the formation of continents and oceans, as well as the Earth's motions in its path around the sun, have met with little change since the cold era iced the lands of the high latitudes. At an early age, previous to the appearance of frigid periods, the ocean waters of the high latitudes probably did not possess an independent circulation sufficient to lower the temperature so that glaciers could form. This may have been owing to the shallow sea bottom south of Cape Horn having been above the surface of the water, the channel having since been formed by a comparatively small change in the ocean's level. 
for while considering this subject it is well to keep in mind that whenever the western continent extended to the antarctic circle it prevented the independent circulation of the southern ocean waters consequently during such times ice periods could not have occurred in the southern hemisphere it will be noticed that according to the views given above the several theories which have been published to account for great climatic changes neglect to set forth the only efficacious methods through which nature works for conveying and withdrawing tropical heat sufficient to cause temperate and frigid periods in the high latitudes while lack of space forbids an explanation of the causes which would perfect an ice period in the northern hemisphere i will say that it could be mainly brought about through the independent circulation of the arctic waters which now largely prevent the tropical waters of the north atlantic from entering the arctic seas thus causing the accumulation of ice sheets on greenland but before a northern ice period can be perfected it seems that it will need to cooperate with a cold period in the southern hemisphere and in order to have the ice of a northern frigid period melt away it would require the assistance of a mild climate in the high southern latitudes and of climatic changes in the southern hemisphere by c a m tabor read by Hawaii in october 2011